welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson, still quarantined in D.C., and today my returning guest is Sarah Wood. The last time she was on the show, it was like mid-2020. So I'm really happy she's back. She had gone to work and still is working for an awesome organization, Vote Vets. We're going to talk about that briefly. But I have a little bit extra to add in this intro. For those of you who are regular listeners, please check it out. Don't skip forward. I do try to keep these these intros as short as possible, so here it goes. The Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast. It's supported by listeners, and it's woman-run. I don't have corporate backers, and in about five minutes, I'm going to start doing advertisements. <laughs> but it is patrons who keep this show going, and I am grateful. So if you do enjoy today's show, please take a look at the About page on Patreon at patreon.com slash startmeup. You can check out some of the past guests I've interviewed. Most of the time, I have political discussions. Occasionally, I interview actors, although we still wind up talking about politics. But like, if you like the show, you can start off for, say, two bucks a month, and then you can always upgrade later. Now, as I mentioned, I'm going to be doing advertising very soon, and I will add, which it is not there today, but I will be adding a tier as soon as those ads start coming in. When I start doing them, it'll be for an $8 tier. The way my show works right now is I do two free shows on Wednesday, Mondays and Wednesdays, and then right after those, I do patrons-only shows, and that's the $5 tier, and it's What's Up With Me. I talk about whatever I feel like, and actually today... I'm going to announce something, <laughs> uh, but you got to become a subscriber if you want to hear it. And then what's going to happen, occasionally I have somebody to do a patrons only show with me, like Amanda Sowards, maybe Steph Walton, maybe Dave Ferguson. Those are just, there's no set at least once a month. Let's just say at least once a month, we're going to do a patrons only show that would fall under the $5 tier as well. And then when I start doing advertising, I'm going to add an $8 tier. That's going to give you everything I do, the free shows, the two patrons-only shows, what's up, plus a patrons-only show I have with a guest, and you will have the option of also getting a show with no intro and no advertisements. So again, that will be an $8 tier, which I have not yet created, but I will when I start doing advertising. Just visit patreon.com com slash start me up. You can look at the tiers that I've got right now. And you can also make a one-time donation by checking out the text in the Patreon description. I always include my email. You can use that with PayPal. You can find Start Me Up on iTunes Stitcher or wherever podcasts are found. Just stop by the iTunes Apple store and become a subscriber because it's free. And while you're there, please give me, if you like the show, a good review. And a, and a positive rating. I would really appreciate it. And thank you to everyone who has. Okay, now please enjoy my conversation with Sarah Wood. Welcome back to the show, Sarah Wood. <laughs> Hello, long time no here. It's been a while. I know. Well, you've been busy working at Boat Bets. I have. I took a job last summer as social media director for the Progressive Veterans Organization Vote Vets um, leading up to the election. That's so cool. First of all, congratulations. What a great place to work. And I know, I think, doesn't, isn't that with John Jorgensen? Yep. John, John's over there. Yep. I love him. He's super nice. And I've known him for a long time. So uh, just congratulations on that. And I've kind of left you alone because I knew you've been busy, but I figured at some point I'd come knocking again. 
And thankfully, I you answered, and you're like, I can do it. <laughs> I can. It's been well. Now that we have Biden, like it's not so right. rapid response. Like, what is he gonna? What's the president gonna tweet today? Like, now we can actually like plan a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, it's a little less stressful. So has it been fun for you? Do you like doing it? I do like doing it. Basically, get paid to do what I already did, so it's great. That's really cool. <laughs> and the people I work with are great. They're it's a really great organization. Yeah. I really I really like it there. Well, and then the last time we talked, Donald Trump was president. So there's been a lot of yep. changes. <laughs> yeah, just a few. Just a few. Uh, we're going to get into some scary possibilities in the future. I mean, uh, you know, future conversation on the show. I, I'm a little out of it. I, you know, I was recording something right before I talked to you, and I kind of got lost with time. And the thing is, is I recorded it, and then I didn't like it, so I killed it. Then I recorded it again, then I killed it. And then what winds up happening is, is when you talk about the same thing, and you're re re recording and re-recording. You're like, did I say that in this part? Did I say it this time? Or did I say that? Did I, am I repeating? But now, now I'm just like in this fog of like, what the fuck did I just say? <laughs> You'll just have to put up with me. <laughs> it's all good. Been there. It's all good. <laughs> um, so let's start with cancel culture. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, I don't know, I have my opinions on it. And I, I'm going to read what Stone Kettle said, Jim Wright. He, mm -hmm. and, and I agree with him. He yeah. said, cancel culture isn't a real thing. What mm -hmm. Republicans see as some nefarious organized mass conspiracy is nothing more than society's public rejection of unsavory actions and ideology. It is literally the very visible hand of their own adored free market at work. And I'm like, woohoo! And I mean, and I'm just going to add this and then I want your opinion. I feel like we live in a world now of social media. And so, you know, there are, there are these comedians who bitch and complain about this cancel culture when they tell a rape joke or a sexist joke. And it's like, you, like you're free to tell your stupid sexist joke. Mm -hmm. But when people don't like it, you know, they're free to say what they want about your stupid joke. And, you know, with social media, that's what we do. We have this platform now where we can all call for boycotts or we can decide if we're going to boycott. And if we don't want you around, you know, if, if somebody walks into, I mean, do you, is cancel culture walking into a restaurant that says no shirts, no, you know, no shirt, no shoes, no dice. If you walk in with no shirt and no shoes, they can kick you out. Is that cancel culture? No, it's the way it goes. So, I mean, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on it. Well, I always say like free speech goes both ways. Yes. Like you can, you can say what you want, but you're going to get called out on it if it's not what people agree with. It's just the way it goes. You can't, yeah. I, I've been trying to reiterate with people. It's like, basically people are, you're not getting canceled. You're just finally getting consequences and <laughs> yeah. in, in this like really privileged society where you've gotten away with it for so long. You've gotten away with your misogyny and your racism and your transphobia for so long <laughs> because it was an accepted joke or whatever. Right. And now you're not, and now you're getting called out on it. It's like, if you want to talk about cancel culture, talk about Colin Kaepernick. Yes. Like he actually right. like, he lost his career because he was standing up for the right thing. Yeah. So, and so, and, but they won't stand up for Colin Kaepernick. They won't <laughs> admit that he was canceled in any sort of fashion. Right. It just, yeah, it's the it's basically consequence culture. I think it's consequence yeah. culture. Yeah. They're finally getting consequences. Like as far as Twitter, you, when you sign up for Twitter, when you sign up for an account, you sign up and you agree to their terms of service. And yes. if you break those, they have every right to let you go, to, to get rid of your account. Mm -hmm. And that's not like 
socialism or communism right. or against <laughs> your First Amendment, that's capitalism. Exactly. That's the free market working itself out. Yeah. So you can't love it and hate it at the same time, but I guess they clearly do. Well, they do um, because they're such fucking hypocrites. And it's, you know, I mean, I, and it's not just Republicans because there are these comedians. I know Bill Maher, who is not my favorite. He's always complaining about that. And it's like, you know, again, it goes back to, I, I'm going to go back to Andrew Dice Clay. You know, he was at the time, you know, right now he would not be as popular because he's not politically correct. But he, you know, he made his jokes and they were crude and rude and everybody loved him until he joked about fucking his own daughter. Nobody loved that. And, you know, I mean, I can't call him canceled because he's still around. He didn't have this thriving career, uh, but I don't know how far he would have gone, whether or not he made a joke about fucking his own daughter. Um, but he he did. And I remember, I mean, I laughed at his jokes, and he, he said things that were horrible about women. He, he said things that were horrible about gay. He pretty much picked on everybody. I think he left people of color alone, but everybody else was fair game for him. And, you know, I was a 90s kid. I grew up in the, I was a, I was a Gen Xer who appreciated crude sense of humor, and I could put aside some of my, uh, I don't know, feminist ideas for, for a certain kind of a joke. I may not do that today, but at the time, in the 90s, I did. Uh, but he made a joke about fucking his daughter, and everybody freaked out. And it's like, good. I, I'm glad everybody freaked out. But I, I think like somebody like Bill Maher who complains, it's like, it, it, again, it goes down to consequences. If you want to tell your joke that is either a sexist joke or a rape joke or something like that, don't be surprised when a big group of people says, fuck you, we don't like your fucking joke. <laughs> That's just it. That's what people need. To, they need to understand that. It's like, and, and everyone has their right to say, I don't like your joke. Yeah. And it, it, that's just how it goes. It goes both ways. We yeah. can, you can say whatever you want. Like people like Lauren Boebert or mm -hmm. Josh Hawley saying that's cancel culture. We can't say what we feel or whatnot. And I'm like, you're, you're on Fox News. <laughs> you're clearly not canceled. We all see you and we unfortunately hear you. And... <laughs> You're not, you have your speech, but we can call you out because that's mm -hmm. our freedom of speech. Exactly. And it's just, yeah. it, you know, and then there's, and then, so there, now there's this Dr. Seuss thing. And um, from my understanding, I know Charlotte Clymer did a whole thread about it, how actually the, the books are not banned. I think they're just, um, they're, they're available for the kids who want them, but they're kind of like not on display, if you will. I, I, I'm yeah. just trying to go from memory. So, uh this and, and i mean look i remember watching when i was a kid i remember watching uh animal house and there was that scene where the girl you know drunk passed out girl flies in through the window lands on the bed and there's the guy sitting there and he sees her and he's got the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other and the devil is basically trying to convince him to have sex with this this unconscious woman which is rape and at the time nobody thought anything of it I mean, I'm sure somebody did, but in the bigger picture, there was no outcry, there was no uproar about the scene. It was an accepted scene. And I'm not saying that it should have been accepted, but it just was. Yeah. That's what we accepted at that time. Just like with Andrew Dice Clay, uh, you know, we can go back now and go, you know what, that was fucked up. Because we Absolutely. see it from a different perspective. But at that yeah. time, the perspective, the, the collective perspective was different. And so I look at these Dr. Seuss things and it's like, yeah, I, I don't necessarily think we should be teaching racism 
to children, and I can't say I know enough about this story to really talk about it, other than to say that, you know, there were books that were hurtful and wrong, and okay, that's good if we're, if we're going to take those off, because not every, every Dr. Seuss book was hurtful and wrong. You know, I mean, yeah. I, lo- I look at, you know, I made a, I made a sarcastic joke and I had to take it down because it was sarcastic and it's Twitter and nuance and no one gets it. But like I made a joke about how um, are we going to cancel the witch from Hansel and Gretel? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, seriously, are we going to go back and cancel everybody? Do we do we have to cancel everything? I think it's good to recognize the evolution. You know, we can go back and go look at how it used to be. This isn't, sh- we have evolved from this. And, and I'm fine with Dr. Seuss not publishing any more of those books that are going to be hurtful and wrong. I'm fine. Yeah. And you that's know? also capitalism. That's their choice. Like that's, it, is. it was a publisher's decision. It wasn't. Right. Yeah. And I, and I agree with it. And I, I like what Disney did too, as far as when they, they just put out all the Muppets um, episodes and they have the disclaimer in front of the episodes that, um, can show harmful or hurtful or racist content or can be perceived as racist content, um, like with the Confederate flag and, uh-huh. and um, how that's a very divisive and hurtful mm-hmm. image. Um, See, now I heard I, about that only, I, I didn't, I only heard about the Muppets that stupid Don Jr. said they were canceling the Muppets. So uh, I don't know that story. They're not, but they're not canceling no. the Muppets. They just <laughs> released their entire, basically their entire Muppet show catalog onto, the, onto Disney Plus. Uh-huh. And before a few episodes... There's a disclaimer, mm-hmm. and it basically says like, we're we're in this in this episode. There will be images that will, um, could be per- that that are har- that hurt people. Like mm-hmm. they're they're not great. And then, and it basically says like, we're not going to just take the content down, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to learn yeah. from this. We're going to say That's this this is yeah. this is why this is mm-hmm. offensive to people. This is why it hurts people. Like the. The Confederate flag is the mm-hmm. flag of slavery. It's right. the flag of owning human beings as property. That's mm-hmm. what that entire flag represents. It's not Southern heritage. It's only Southern heritage in the re- in, in regards to the fact that Southern heritage was slavery. Right. So <laughs> it's, right. it's one and the same. Yeah. So. Wow. It's just, you know, this. sometimes we just are, I really think we're not, we're not ready for social media. But <laughs> I mean, Bob <laughs> oh, is like, always saying that. <laughs> well, what's good about me being at Vote Vets and doing social media there is it really um, forces me to think <laughs> about my words before I put them out there into yeah. the universe. Yeah. And I'm very um, measured. Right. And um, and I think it, I think it's been good. So that means you're um, such a centrist who hates the Democratic Party, right? <laughs> <laughs> Some people might say so, but. Um, I'm not. I'm very progressive. Of course I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and in fact, you've described yourself as moderate. But I feel like, you know, I know, I know your ideology. Yeah. I know your politics. And I really view you more as a progressive person who understands yeah. the deal. You just get it. It's like, okay, well, we have to live in this country with a whole bunch of conservative people and a whole bunch of fucking wackadoos. And so we have to figure out a way to work with those people. And I will always bring up, always bring up the fact that in January 2020, a group of Republican white men voted for the ERA in Virginia. So those who are going to argue that Republicans will never work with Democrats are wrong. Obviously, right now, there is a huge divide and, you know, getting people on our side is really tough. But when it comes to 
individual states and individual, uh, you know, whether it's state Republicans or state, uh, you know, state officials, there are people who are willing to compromise because in the end, um, outside of this crazy shit that we're going, this divided Q world and all of that, outside of that, um, I think there is still a core uh, group who who may have a different idea and they might have conservative ideas about things, but in the end, it's about let's help our vote. Let's help the constituency. You know, let's, let's get these people clean water. Let's get these people, you know, whatever it is they need. Exactly. Um, and, you know, they might have different ideas about doing it, but the end result is helping people. And I think that there are still some Republican people. It's just hard to find them in this craziness, especially when social media does dominate and we, we focus on and see the worst all the time, where we're not seeing the people like the men in Virginia who voted for the ERA. No, because it doesn't sell yeah. um, advertising right. on an, in, a, in a news slot or, <laughs> or whatnot. I like, to call, I like to call myself like a Pelosi progressive where yeah. I'm progressive, but I like to get things done kind of right <laughs> she gets things done she gets like if things she, done yeah if she says she's going to do something she's going to do it and if she doesn't think she can get it done then she's you know she'll you'll see that she doesn't go in that direction like mm-hmm. she's just she's uh, everyone's like oh she needs to step down and i'm like oh i'm like oh my gosh i hope she stays as long as she possibly can please <laughs> well and i mean the, i think i think what people fail to realize so often is that you know i mean the she's not up there with all the fucking power there are Republicans. There are obstructionists, and oh God, there like are certain Kevin McCarthy. And, yeah. <laughs> yes, and there are certain rules that have to be, uh, you know, even though a re- Republicans aren't necessarily going to acknowledge the rules, Democrats have to acknowledge rules. You know, we have to figure out. I, I believe we have Democrats have to find. In fact, this is what I want to ask you about. We have to find different ways to overcome that obstruction, but. I was thinking about this because, okay, I don't like Marianne Williamson, uh, especially for president. I don't like some of the things that she said. Some of yeah. the things she says I agree with, and one of them uh, I'm going to talk about. But that doesn't mean that I want her to be the president of the United States. I don't think she's qualified. I don't think she should be even close to that. But the, you know, and, and I'm not a big fan of hers, especially things that she said about vaccinations. And she said a lot of things that I just completely disagree with. I've seen her in person. Uh, years and years ago, a friend of mine took me to see her in Los Angeles, and I liked what she had to say. I thought it was a progressive way of thinking. It was not at all political. It was it was basically just about, I guess, like self-empowerment and self-evolution and all of that, which I've always been into. Um, but even though I'm not a fan of her, uh, she made a point in the primary that I absolutely agree with, and I'm just wondering how we could get to it. And basically that is like, now, first of all, I think that when it comes to winning elections and parties conducting themselves in a certain way, we have to go with the obvious stuff, facts. We have to go with what's worked in the past. We have to organize and get out the vote. Um, You know, Stacey Abrams, basically follow whatever the fuck she does. Uh, You know, that kind of thing is, is paramount and number one. And then... What's also is very important is an existential strategy. Now, if you think about it, Republicans have an existential strategy. In, in a psycho- I should actually say a psychological strategy because Marianne Williamson was just talking about this evil. We have to combat this evil. And it's not always going to be through legislation. It's got to be, I think, 
a psychological kind of campaign because that's what Republicans indulge in, but they use it for the negative. So they, they base everything on fear and on hate and all of that, where I think Democrats, you know, aside from the obvious grassroots organizing, knocking on the doors, registering new voters, doing all that absolute, you know, that's absolutely necessary and essential to win. But then there's also that the messaging. And I don't think we should, I mean, in some time, in some cases, we should play on fears. We, you know, I mean, maybe about climate, you know, maybe scare people into the fucking, and that doesn't even seem to work with climate. I don't care how big the fucking ice chunk is that falls off. Well, the truth is in their face. Like, the, the, like the entire state of Texas yeah. shut down. And they're right. still like, oh, climate change isn't real. Right. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you have, like, a chunk the size of California dropping off of one of, you oh know. Oh, my gosh. That's so scary. It I is. Saw that. It's so scary. And then still people are like, I don't want to see it. I don't want it because it's so afraid. It's, it's like, so I don't know. In that case, maybe fear doesn't work because I guess we've tried fear and uh, the, in, you know, inconvenient. Um, truth or what was it called the inconvenient what do because here's the thing about the inconvenient truth from Al Gore yeah (laughs) Um, but here's the thing about Republican fear and versus Democratic fear like Democrats have like actual like truth behind their fear and it's about the greater good and about the whole it's about the whole planet it's about society as a whole whereas Republicans they tend to be very myopic about Mm -hmm. things and and how they reach their base is about me, 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 mm-hmm. and whatever is going to affect me. And in their head, a lot of the time, they don't think it's actually going to affect them. Mm-hmm. They don't think that that's, that's a them problem, that's not a me problem. Mm-hmm. But when they say things about immigration and stuff like that, okay, they're coming here to take your job. Yes. That, yes. That's also about them. Yeah. They reach people at that personal level right. where they know how to reach mm-hmm. their base. They know that people are very myopic. They're very narcissistic to say mm-hmm. the least to like to very into this is like this is my own personal freedom my own personal world and it's just the way they think and it's like it's a very small town vibe and it's mm-hmm. I've seen it in my own town here now that I've like I, I've lived all over the country and now I'm I'll get re- seeing more towny type of mentalities mm-hmm. and I'm like oh um <laughs> but it's it, it's it basically like we do need to get behind a a solid message as Democrats because yeah. the Republicans, they're, they're very good at messaging. They're, they're absolutely good at, good at messaging. They're not good at a lot of other things. They're right. not good at governing, no. but they're very good at getting people to fall in line mm-hmm. and be in lockstep with one another. That's what I Demo- think we yeah. miss. Yeah. That's like the one component that we, it's hit or miss with us. Sometimes we get it. Sometimes we don't, we need to be consistent with it. And I think that, I, I think the democratic party would do very well. I mean, I was talking with Sherry Jacobus the other day and she was saying that, you know, she, I don't know if you remember this, but I do kind of remember back in the, she would, this is when she was a moderate Republican. She was a strategist and the, the whole Monica Lewinsky thing was happening, and a lot of the Republicans wanted to do attack ads on Bill, but they were not, uh, when they were put in front of a, a focus group, they didn't do well. What did well was Sherry's idea, which was, what do we tell the kids? Because that, like you said, first of all, it makes it personal, and mm-hmm. it wasn't a straight-up attack. This yeah. suggested that Bill Clinton was immoral, and that he made an immoral decision, and how do we explain this to our children? And, you know, regardless of what your opinion is of the Monica Lewinsky, it was that kind of messaging that 
that really the focus groups loved and the ad did very well. And so if you just take that same idea and, you know, use it, Democrats could use that. And I'm sure they do use focus groups, but I think that they could mm-hmm. they could build up a team or a, you know, a division, not obviously of the party party. I mean, maybe the DNC or some kind of a faction, right? You know, the Democratic Party raises money and that money goes to all these different whatever it is, whether it's grassroots organizing, whether it's commercials and messaging and ads and all of that. So I think that there should be a a messaging, specifically a psychological point of view, where you're able to make people feel that it's personal. Because how many times have you seen on social media, specifically on Twitter or Facebook, where you know, someone comes along and they're a legitimate person who isn't just a troll, who say both sides are the same. And the reason they think that is because they just, they, they, they don't go, they don't dig deep enough to find out they're only focusing on the surface and, and what Democrats are putting on the surface isn't reaching them. It's not getting to them. We need, mm-hmm. to, we need that messaging that's going to hit everyone and prove. Like I have, dis- I feel like Democrats need to go hard on we are the American party. We are the pro-life party, you know, we're, and, and, and explain why. And don't apologize for being pr- pro-choice. You know, don't don't mm-hmm. come at pro-choice like, oh, well, I'm Catholic. But no, fuck it. We're pro-choice. In the Democratic Party, women have a choice, period. Pregnant people yeah. have a choice. And <clears throat> and that's, you know, and scream it from the fucking rooftops and be proud of it and don't cower. And, and, and not only that, educate voters on what they have because of the Democratic Party. Exactly. And, and we have to, like, make it crystal clear. All these people are getting behind Trump still, which I don't understand, but he's, he got... 74 million votes and he led an insurrection on our country like on our capital and like to support him is you can't support him and support the country at the same time and we really need to like lay in Mm -hmm. that like we message no matter i love that the democratic party is this big umbrella party and Mm -hmm. has all these ideas Mm -hmm. and we have all these ideas coming from everywhere and that's why we have a lot of infighting is because there's a lot of smart people with a lot of great ideas Mm -hmm. and we disagree on how to get things done and that's where a lot of our messaging is lost because we do have all these great ideas and we don't we can't unite behind one solid message right. whereas like republicans it's very simple mm-hmm. and it's very like <laughs> divisive like they're very just they have an easy job of riling people up mm-hmm. and we actually have the job of getting things done mm-hmm. which which takes which anyway, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent. But what but I'm that's saying good. is like I like your tangent. <laughs> but like as far as like Trump and like you can't like Trump and you can't be for Trump and for yeah. America at the same time. I think that no matter who you are is a message that we can get behind you. We have to really like mm-hmm. tell people in this country, like this is what happened. The thing is they don't believe they think so many of the people that were there that day on January 6th and think that they were there for the right reason, right? That they were there to save America. And how do we get to those people that mm-hmm. think that like we were there to, to, to keep Donald Trump in office. Like, and what was their plan for day two? Like, when you think <laughs> about it, like, okay, so they get in there, let's say they were successful and they capture um, a bunch of Congress people mm-hmm. or God, God bless, knock on wood, like harm them. Like that would, right. like, it, that, which I think was their goal. Right. So now they have, now they have the Capitol. Like, they've seized the Capitol. What was their, like, what was their day two? Like, yeah. where are you going to go from there? Like, <laughs> I don't think they they didn't yeah, really like think Yeah, like what happens after ahead. you hang Mike Pence? Well, I think that they Donald Trump just wanted to show and he, he got ratings and he got these people to perform for him. Mm-hmm. 
and he got his show because everything's about a performance with him. And there was no day two. There was like a, it was like a feature episode and, and that was it. Mm -hmm. And he just wanted like, look, everybody, look at all these people who love me and they did this for me. And he didn't call them. He didn't call the national guard. He didn't ask people to help. He didn't ask them to stand down. He said, I love you. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like, I don't like, I still like, I, I watched the images from that day yeah. and it's just, oh, it, I, I, know. I can't even imagine what it would have been like to be in that building. Oh my like God. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know that AOC got some shit from Democrats, uh, for basically overreacting. And then, and then we saw that video that the Democrats produced and it's like, wow. I mean, you know, up until that point, it was all kind of piecemeal. We were getting a little bit. I mean, we saw that horrendous video of the door closing in mm-hmm. on that guy who was screaming. That was awful. But then when you saw it all, you know, with Trump's speech, everybody walking to uh, the Capitol and, and it was kind of like in sequence and it was so fucking horrifying. It was just so horrifying. And I can't believe I can't believe I witnessed that to this day. I mean, it was yeah. just on January 6th, which feels like three years ago already. I mean. And then Mitch McConnell comes out and has the audacity to say that he would support Trump in 2024. Right, I'm like, right. that man would have been fine with you dying. Yeah. Like he was, he would have been absolutely okay with them, with your, with his supporters going in there and, and, yeah. and hurting you. Like it's, I can't even, I can't even wrap my head around that. Like you see the footage of how close Mitt Romney was to right. to being harmed mm-hmm. and how close all of them were being harmed. And they're walking around with like gas masks on their mm-hmm. head. And I'm just like, this was our capital. Mm-hmm. This is like, I love going to DC mm-hmm. and I love everything about going to the capital and walking around and how majestic everything is. And there's like just the sense of history and what's going on in that building, both good and bad. Right. And to see it just like taken by these people that mm-hmm. just wanted to do it harm and do and they our shit system on the, they harm. They fucking shit on the floor and rubbed it on the walls. It's, it's, it was, it's the whole and thing. And that's the least of it. That's like the least of it. They wanted to fucking kill yeah. Mike Pence and Nancy Pelosi. And, they did. You know, yeah. it's just unbelievable. And then now we're seeing what's really scary, though, in The New Yorker, Masha Gessen wrote, an article titled Trump's strategy for returning to power is already clear. Here's an expert. It involves an aspiring autocrat who is rebuked by voters and then frames his loss of power as illegitimate, launching a campaign aimed at undermining not only the party that won the election, but the very institutions of democratic government. Now I'm going to read something else she wrote and I don't, I'm not going to pronounce these names correctly. So just be prepared. Um, so Victor Orban, is that his name? Became the prime minister of Hungary in 1998. Four years later, Uh, With a record of Hungarians turning up to the polls, his party lost power. The next day, Orban's allies claimed voter fraud and demanded recounts. And although these demands were rejected, Orban continued to claim that the election had been stolen. In 2010, after eight years of leading the opposition, Orban and his party, uh, Fidesz, I don't know, returned to power with a supermajority, enough to change the constitution and begin rapidly consolidating autocratic power. Orban has not left office in the decade since. So... That's what's freaking me out. You know, I keep yeah, saying... Yeah, that's horrifying. Yeah, I keep saying to people on my podcast, I'm like, okay, I'm scared. And they're like, oh my God, Biden just won, relax. And I understand where they're coming from. Like, we shouldn't constantly be in this state of panic and fear. But at the same time, we can never... W- this is exactly what they're planning to do. As we were seeing when the insu- before the insurrection 
end the insurrection? How many times did you see people like Michael Beschloss or somebody with fucking knowledge saying the first attempts of the coup attempts fail, the second attempts succeed? And this is because history tells us this. And and that's the Republican Party. You know, it's very easy, and I do it, but it's very easy to make fun of and mock Q and talk about Ted Cruz like he's the biggest dick in the world and he has no balls and all this stuff. But it's like these they're pe- these people are fucking serious. And imagine, imagine if somebody like Josh Hawley or, um, you know, I mean, I don't know that Ted Cruz could win. He might. Because even though he's not well liked, whoever the candidate is for the Republican Party, as you were saying, just they march in lockstep. But I mean, can I you do. just imagine Ted Cruz as president? What oh. he would do? You know, I mean, Trump is bad. Yeah. But Trump didn't know what he was doing. Trump didn't understand. That's what understand. I always tell people. Yeah. yeah, that's a, yeah. I say the same thing about if Pence were to be president. Like, mm-hmm. that's also very scary. Um, but Ted Cruz, besides him being just smarmy and like Greasy. he's trying to sell, he's trying to sell you like a a, a burnt out Pinto. Like he he just he is. And he gets up and he leaves his state during a disaster. <laughs> what a fucking dick. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, he's said, and then he's like, oh, I was just dropping off my daughters because your wife can't take them by herself. Right, right, right. Like, that's, you're, you're, you're lying. And we can tell you're lying. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, but no, as far as Trump coming back and having power, I mean, it's absolutely possible. And yeah. I definitely think that I, I'm watching what Georgia's doing right now and they're trying oh, to make it yeah. har- harder for people. They're already trying to rig it for 2024 and 2022, right. making it harder for people to cast ballots. Like, well, I, I, I don't know which ballot it was. It was it like the absent, like the absentee ballots and over a million people voted that way. And they're trying to get rid of that. So not all absentees, that's a specific absentee. Right. I, I don't have it in front of me, yeah. but basically over a million people voted this way. And they're trying to get rid of it. So basically, mm-hmm. it would have overturned the results. Mm-hmm. Basically, they would have won the Senate. They would have kept their Senate seats, mm-hmm. and they would have, and and Donald Trump would have won the state instead of letting the people actually vote. Why they want to make it harder to vote? Republicans always want to make it harder to vote because they can't win on their ideas, so mm-hmm. they cheat. Yeah, that's what they do. Because if they were popular, they mm-hmm. wouldn't have to rig the system, and they would win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Democrats win because they have popular ideas, mm-hmm. and people want them. Yeah. And they want more people to vote because they, if they make it accessible for people to vote, people will vote for them. And Yeah, it's pretty and, simple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's scary because, you know, you've got... I think, though, you, you had asked a question, how do we reach these people, going back to the insurrection thing? I don't yeah. think they're necessarily reachable. Like, for instance, I have a family member that... Um, I haven't talked to her since the insurrection. I talked to her on Christmas Day. And, I you know, I know she's going to... The thing is, is she always sends me Easter money and this, I like this time around and I always call her to thank her, but I don't know if I'm going to get that because of the, like my mom just got a fucking Christmas card the other day. So if my aunt decides that she wants to send me Christmas money, I mean, I'm sorry, Easter money. I did get Christmas, Christmas money from her. So that came, but you know, I don't know if, if she sends me Easter money, if I'm even going to fucking get it, you know what I mean? Because of the mail. So uh, at some point, I'm going to have to call her, though. And I'm, I'm worried because my cousin s- was talking to my mom about this family member and said, I haven't even asked her about the insurrection because I'm afraid. And my mom's like, I know. <laughs> I feel like my, my family member and I do not talk about politics. 
And, you know, I can't imagine that she's necessarily going to bring it up. But frankly, I don't know what she thinks. And I feel like I'm going to go with she can justify it. So I think I think with the Democrats, those people are completely lost causes. And I don't think we should necessarily I mean, I, you know, look at somebody like David Weissman. And he was a MAGA person and something that Sarah Silverman said kind of like turned this light on in him and it 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 caused him to research and really investigate other ways of thinking until he became a Warren Democrat. Um, but not every MAGA, not every Trump supporter, not every QAnon person is going to have that ability to see the truth. I think, mm-hmm. though, that, you know, even in this last election, even though that was a record turnout, look at how many people didn't vote. And, you know, Democrats really need to find those new voters. And That's what I always say. Yeah, yeah. it's like there's a yeah. huge pool of them, and we don't need all of them. But if we could get, you know, I don't know what the percentage is, 1%, you know, half of a percent, I mean, it would if we could convince those people. And, and again, it goes back to the way that we message. I think we, I, I think Democrats need to be, it's not so much that they have to become assholes to the Democrats. It's not so much that, yes, we, we need to, to be aggressive in a way, but I think what we really just need to do is educate people and explain how life is better under Democratic rule. And actually life is better when you have a two-party system where both parties are kind of holding the other accountable. That's optimum. You know, it's like that other party I may not agree with, like the Republic, if, if, if we had a responsible Republican party that was, you know, conservative when it comes to certain kinds of spending and reins the Democrats in when they get a little too crazy, that's, you know, I can disagree with some of the ideology of the conservatives and the Republican party if we had that kind of party. But I would be happy to have that kind of like, let's just make sure the other party doesn't get too out of control and, and, and then we have a good balance. But we are so far from that. And, and, and I think that really the Democrats just need to be a little bit more creative in how they're reaching people. And all they really need to do is just say, hey, Social Security, that's us. Medicare, yeah. that's us. 40-hour work week, that's us. You know what I mean? Just like, we did this. This is what you get. Balanced budget, here you go. Uh, whatever it is, brag. Make people aware of what, we, what the Democrats have done for this country. And I think it would be a lot easier to bring in those new voters, you know? I, no, I absolutely agree. And Republicans are the best at wedge issues, too. Yes. Like, they're best at, like, they... You can and you can see the evolution of the wedge issue as far as like women women's rights mm-hmm. and then they're still on go on and on about abortion. They always will, <laughs> and that's why I honestly believe they will never do anything nationally because they need that as a wedge they issue. Need, yeah, my, like that's my. They, well, the they, time I think though the time that they would do it is in an autocracy. If they do yeah. get power, then they'll get rid of it. Then because, they will because yeah. they'll have power. Exactly. They won't need but it. If, if they, if they, yeah. Exactly. And then right now, like they, for a long time, it was gay marriage, but mm-hmm. now that's been a settled issue. Mm-hmm. So now they've moved on to hating trans people. And that's like their whole latest yeah. thing. Like I watched like all their speeches at C. Well, I didn't watch their speeches at CPAC. I, God, <laughs> no, I didn't watch any of them, but I got like a few highlights. Right. <laughs> and they were... Um, 
like they're all saying like, oh, we, we got to worry about women's sports teams. Yeah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like they're just, they're trying to get, at, I've, I've had debates with conservatives about this. Like yeah. they literally think, this is what they think. They think like men are going to pretend to be women right. so that they can perform better and have better results if they compete against women. Like mm-hmm. that's their logic. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, <laughs> trans women are women mm-hmm. and they would like to put, like, they would like to compete with other women mm-hmm. and they just, they, they just can't get that thought no. into their head. And it's always about trans women. It's mm-hmm. never about trans men. Right. Right. It's never about trans men performing in sports because I, they don't think about that. They don't, they don't yeah. like that for some reason, that's not at the top of their priority list of <laughs> things to hate. Right. But, but as far as it's always like trans women, trans, and I'm just like so many transphobic jerks out there. It makes me want to scream. It's just like, it's such a simple concept. Trans women are women and want to compete with other women. Right. It's just, that's, that's what this is all about. Yeah. And I I think, I think also that, you know, it's, it's really sad and unfortunate, but I was made aware, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but whatever. I, there was this woman on my page and my Facebook page and I had posted something and she it was about trans people and she said something that was a little upsetting and I didn't really know anything about her. I think the only thing is every once in a while I get these people and they say something and I'm like, okay, I got to keep an eye on this one. This one's like a loose cannon. And sure enough, she starts going off on trans people. And so I was like, you know, please delete your comment. Uh, You are spewing right wing propaganda. It's not accurate. And whatever I said, so she starts freaking out and, you know, going off on me. And so I, I wound up deleting her comment and blocking her. But, of course, I've got, like, a family and friends page. And I go over to her to look at her page for my family. And she starts, you know, talking shit about me, which I really don't care. But I was looking at her page. And so she's basically somebody who votes for Democrats. But like, she's not a Republican. But she's a TERF. And, mm-hmm. and what is that? Yep. It's called the trans-exclusionary, trans-exclusionary radical, radical feminist. feminist. So yep. That's what she is. And, you know, it's funny because I've talked to Bob about it. He's like, but is that really a thing? And it's like, yes, it's really a thing. And you can look at what's her name? Um, that author, J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling. She's a turf. And then I guess from my understanding, there are a lot of them in England and they actually have enough power in England to persuade the government to legislate accordingly to what they believe, um, you know, at least to a certain degree. And yeah, it's really sad to see at this point in the game, this anti-trans rhetoric when, I don't know, I was starting to feel in my stupid, naive ways that trans is just becoming more and more normal. It's really, I mean, I know that, in political world, it's becoming more and more normal. Maybe not, you know, on Main Street yet. It's not a, a completely accepted experience in mainstream yet. But it's it's working its way in. You know what I mean? Like I just, it's just like with gay marriage or or any of it. You know, I mean, at first it's this whole everybody's all freaked out about it, and then you just slowly start getting used to it. And nobody gives a shit. And I mean, that's what I felt like trans the experience of being trans and and trans people that, yeah, I know they're going to have to deal with some shit for a while, but it felt to me like regardless, it's like becoming easier because people are just accepting. 
And, and then now this is starting up and it's like, I can't even imagine what it's like to be a trans person in this world. How difficult it must be because aside from having to deal with whatever crap you're dealing with on your own to, to, to feel comfortable coming out as who you truly are, um, you've got to deal with these fucking angry people who are making you feel unsafe just to yeah. be who you want to be. Yeah, they're afraid of what they don't know, and, and they and, and they and they think because they don't understand it that it's wrong, mm-hmm. and they just can't wrap their head around the they can't wrap their head around it, and it's and it's so frustrating because it's like why don't we just like they're all about the party or conservatives with the, about being personal freedom, personal mm-hmm. freedom, exactly, except for when it comes to things they don't understand or don't necessarily right. like. They don't like the idea of trans people. Well, guess what? Trans people exist. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's and just what, a fact of the world. How do they hurt you? You know, it was funny. That it wasn't a trans person. And I guess, I don't know if I know the correct termini- terminology on this. So I'm going to go with cross-dresser. And you can tell me if I'm wrong, if you know. But there was like, when I used to work in Los Angeles in fragrance, there was this, uh, there was a trans woman. She didn't announce that she was trans. And we didn't know immediately because she was Asian and literally could have been a model. Oh my God, she was gorgeous. But it, like after like th- after a while, people were starting to wonder about her and people would talk about her. And I'm happy to say that even this was like in the late 80s, nobody was cruel. You know, we, we figured out that she's a trans and I'm not going to say her name, but her name was a big fat giveaway. And, uh, you know, but it was like finally we kind of thought, OK, she's trans. Um, and, and everybody accepted her and liked her. But she had a friend who was a man. And every time he came in, I mean, he didn't, sh- he didn't try to look like a woman. He had hair on his legs and his arms. He's kind of overweight, like a big man tummy. And, uh, and he had a beard and a mustache. And then he would wear makeup and he would wear a blue sequin dress. It was the same blue sequin dress and it was tight, <laughs> ill-fitting. And, uh, but, but he loved that outfit and, and he would come to visit this woman who, you know, worked at, at this department store and she worked at Lancome. So he would sit at one of the Lancome chairs and just hang out for a little while. And he was kind of like a staple. And I just remember I was probably about 19 or 20 years old. And because I lived in Los Angeles, I felt, you know, I think that when you live in a big city like that, whether it's New York or Los Angeles or something like that, you're used to seeing people who are a little different than you. And at least from my perspective, I was pretty open and accepting of most people, even if they seemed weird or odd to me. But it was like, what did this guy hurt? You yeah. know, he he didn't hurt anybody. He was just living this his nice best life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, he you could make fun of him because the dress was ill-fitting, and it really was. It was like, dude, you need to go find a dress that fits you better. But still, it was just like he was just having or a her nice, best life or her best <laughs> life. Uh, yeah. But I mean, like like I said, I, I didn't get that she was uh, a trans, although she might have been in a transition period. I don't I don't know. But she, you know, like I said, beard and all of that. So there was no. Uh, it wasn't I, like I, I she was trying to, to they. I, I just fall to the they there, and then yeah, that's true. That the, that that's yeah. always difficult for me because it's so unnatural, and I'm not complaining. It's just that I'm yeah. I always feel weird when I say it. Like I was reading about Masha, who wrote that article, and I read she's a trans, and she goes by they there, and mm-hmm. and I and I always feel a little intimidated saying that just because I'm not used to it. And I just have to get used to it. Yeah, it's 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 it takes because we're because growing up, like we didn't use any of you know as far as pronouns, like we yeah. didn't really think about it, and so it has taken some adjustment. I'm finally um, starting. I, I finally have 
gotten used to it. So I actually default to they there until I'm until someone until identifies. You know better. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, but it's like, well, then I'll say they didn't bother me in the least. They, I don't know this person's name. I can't. I don't know if I even ever knew that person's name. But they were just super cool and you know funny and would just keep all of us company and make us laugh and. It was no fucking big deal. I don't understand. I just don't understand that the Republicans are so hell-bent on hating everybody that they don't like. And it's so sad and it's so stupid. And I'm, I'm just so tired of it. And I don't want to see what happened in Hungary or Russia mm-hmm. happen here where you get an autocrat in. Because I'm frankly, I, I think Donald Trump, let's say he skates with all of these investigations that are pending. Um, there's going to be a lot, you know, going into his taxes and there's DC looking at the insurrection. There's all kinds of money shit. So let's say he skates and he doesn't really suffer any kind of, uh, he doesn't go to jail or anything like that. And he's still alive and walking around in 2024. Is there a chance he could, you know, if he decides to run that he could win? Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. But it's not Donald Trump that scares me. It's, the Republican Party and what they've become and whoever would win that nomination is going yeah, to they're be... they're all falling in line behind that yeah. extremism. Yeah, they're all just like, they're like all these like Lauren Boebert and like, they're not like, they're winning in their district. I don't think that Lauren could win a Senate seat. Right. I don't think that MTG, I don't think that she could win a Senate seat in that state. But they yeah. win their districts, which yes. puts them as a mouthpiece in Washington, which yeah. is just... It, it, more than anything, it's just obnoxious. They're just these like obnoxious like flies. It, it, it scares me more that like Ted Cruz, mm-hmm. who's adopting a lot of this same speech of like these extremist views, he wins Texas. Mm-hmm. Like he he could he wins the statewide election, and that's concerning. Yes. So it's like if he could win Texas, he could probably win the Republican nomination. He almost right. won the Republican nomination yeah. in 2016. Yeah. And that's what it's like. They're adopting these more, they call us, they call the left radical. They're the ones adopting these more radical extremist yeah. views yeah. as normal, which, so as they go, as they go further right, they're saying we're going further left. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, not really. We're no. just kind of staying where we've always been, mm-hmm. but you keep going further away. So it looks like we're further mm-hmm. left. Yeah. And that's what's happening. The center is like, like my parents, my parents voted for Joe Biden because, and they're, and they're lifelong Republican voters. Mm-hmm. Like they, wow. that's the way that the, that party has gone so mm-hmm. far that they're, they're losing people like Steve Schmidt and all of these people. Mm-hmm. So do you so. think, what do you, okay. Like for instance, Joe Walsh has been pretty much just continually saying that there is no civil war within the Republican party. It's Donald Trump's party. And because there's this, I guess, hope or, our belief that the party's going to split and that there will be this civil war in the Republican party. And that'll actually, yeah, I know (laughs) that'll actually help Democrats. So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you, what, because like, I'm not sure what to think. I'm not sure. I kind of, am leaning with Joe Walsh on this. I mean, if they split, if they, if they, Trump does sort of create, like what were they saying? Like the Patriot party Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. some stupid shenanigans like that, that they are, um, it would split the Republican vote. And it would definitely help the Democrats win more often if they were but to like, have, be on the major as a major party ticket. Do I think it? I think right now they're just trying to steer the Republican Party towards that. Mm-hmm. They're trying. 
um, I don't know, like are the, the more moderate voices, they're not prevailing, no. like the Mitt Romneys. For me to say Mitt Romney, I remember back in 2012, like just being so anti-Mitt Romney. No shit. And then now I'm like, oh my gosh, he's the moderate voice. He's the, he should be who people are listening to. Like, it's, it's just, it Yeah, but what's so scary, mind. I mean, there was but an article. where we are. Yeah, there was an article, though, that just came out about him. And I, I, I don't have all the, I can't remember, but I know it has to do with LGBT rights and how basically he is so on the wrong side of it. So even though he sounds all moderate, he doesn't think gay people should be able to do X. I can't remember what it is. Um, I can't remember the deal, but it's like, he's not really moderate, you know? I mean, he's not an extremist for sure. He's not an extremist. And I think that's what we're seeing is we're seeing extremists like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, Madison, or what's that guy's name? Madison. Madison Cawthorn. Cawthorn. Oh, he's, I, that guy. Yeah. Extremists. Those, you know, those are the extremists and, and I'm just not sure though. uh, You know, Liz Cheney is not a moderate. Seriously, <laughs> when we're just trying to, when we're trying to praise, we're trying to praise Republicans for like just, you know, being against an insurrection. Like that's like the bare minimum we're asking know, of right. Republicans. Like, oh, you're not against an attack on our Capitol. Oh, you're the good Republican. Like you're, you're not against an attack on our, on our democracy. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's the bare minimum we're asking for in Republicans. Apparently. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Well, see, that's the thing. It's like we can't we can't allow this to be that the Republicans continue to set the narrative or I, I mean, I don't, for lack of a better word, they're, you know, they are in offense and we are in defense. And when they're in offense, they're setting all of it. And, and so it's like they're deciding, I mean, they may not be the ruling party. They may not be in, in the position where they get to just do what they were doing when Trump was running. I mean, sorry, when Trump was president. But they still have a lot of power. And not only do they have legislative power or the, or the power to block legislation, they have power with messaging. They have power with, with the overall conversations that we're having. And so... The proof is that people assume somebody like Liz Cheney or Mitt Romney is moderate, and they're not. I mean, you know, it's not to say that the Republican Party was always an extremist party. They've been working their way up to it, and Trump really broke that open. I think there were some extremists in the Tea Party, and, you know, the Tea Party led to Trump and all of that. I always thought Ted Cruz was a bit of an extremist, and Paul Ryan... Um, I think he's just a big old pander bear. I think Ted Cruz, <laughs> like he'll just say what's popular on the day. Like well, he'll I just, agree. Yeah, but I think that I would call him an extremist because he's putting out the he's yeah, pushing yeah. the big lie. You know, I agree. He'll no, go. I absolutely agree. He, he may definitely be somebody who sees where the wind blows and where that might help him. Um, but you know, and like I don't know who who it whoever it's going to be. Like I could see Josh Hawley becoming the the nominee. Easier than Ted Cruz, just because I think Ted is such a fucking dick. You know, he's just no one likes Ted Cruz. And I, you know, I just love that quote by Al Franken, something like he said something like, you know, do you remember the quote? It's like somebody it's about liking Ted Cruz and no one likes Ted Cruz or something about I don't remember, but it's it's fucking very Al Franken and it's hilarious, but it's just that everyone hates Ted Cruz. And I mean, there was that guy who used to be his roommate in college and couldn't stand him then. 
The guy is just not likable. But I, I look at these new, I don't think Lauren Boebert or Marjorie Taylor Greene are going to be the next Trump per se, but I don't no. think there's going to be a next Trump. I think there's going to be a mutation. You know what I mean? Like, let's just draw from the COVID speak. And uh, I think there will be a mutation and it will be worse than Trump because probably smarter and understanding the constitution instead of just like walking and stomping all over it, you know, carefully, you know, pulling it apart and, um, and the understanding of how they're doing it. I think Trump had people in his administration who understood what they were doing when they were. Uh, Oh, absolutely. But, you know, but, but at the same time, Trump really just didn't know what he was doing. If you have a president. Yeah. Yeah. If you have an actual president who understands this, which Ted Cruz would, but I think, I don't think that it would be someone like him. I think it would be new blood, but again, I'm going to go to a mutation. I think we're going to see, you know, let's say Trump is COVID. Then, you know, Josh Hawley is the mutation and it's not somebody like Boebert because they're too, um, I think they're just too much. I think that person is going to need to walk the line to be they're able looking for a gig on Fox news is what they're, what they're yeah, doing. They're pretty yeah. much doing that. Yeah. You got, but you got, you got to pull in the people who are easily led, but they can maybe look at the insurrection and say, no, that was wrong. But then the person, whoever it's going to be, is going to know how to talk to them to convince them, okay, that was wrong, but Trump really did win. They shouldn't have attacked the Capitol, but Trump really did win, and we need to restore the justice in our country and get them to think that way. And I think somebody like Josh Hawley could do that. So I don't know. It's just um, I don't know. I know that they think that Trump's going to be president tomorrow. I know. I March know. It's the fourth. That's it's right. It's a big day. <laughs> we'll and see then, what and will so happen. do they think that John Kennedy Jr. is going to be his vice president still? <laughs> oh dear. That guy who I looks nothing know, like him. <laughs> I know. I can't. I, d- I think that Trump just basically he exposed like the underbelly darkness of our of the Republican Party. Hell like yes. I watched a documentary a long time ago, and it was about the, the Ku Klux Klan and white supremacists, and it's basically saying like they were they were taking off their robes and putting on their suits, and they were getting elected to public office, hmm. and they worked their way all up the, all the way up to the White House. So hmm. that and I think that Trump just gave these people a permission slip to be as awful yep. as they are. Yeah. I, I agree and with you. Out in the open. Like, they don't need to hide it. They don't need to pretend right. that they are upstanding citizens. They can just be like, no, we're racist. This is who we are. And mm-hmm. it's and clearly we get elected being these awful humans. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we're, so, we're somehow going to have to find a way. Because I, well, we're never going to get rid of racism. We're never going to make, you know, we'll never get rid of sexism. But we can diminish it and we can absolutely reject that behavior in a public setting. You know what I mean? It's like I always go back to when I was younger, uh, my mother, if she encountered somebody who said the N-word, she would immediately say, don't say that around me. Uh, no, I don't, I don't talk to people who say that word. And, you know, it's a little uncomfortable to have to say something like that. And it really, she didn't give a shit where she was. We could have been at a family dinner or a friend's house or wherever when it's really awkward to bring it up and she would just be like nope nope don't say that around me we have to have this collective uh kind of rejection of you know i mean i wish we could have a rejection of all of it sexism racism transphobia um homophobia all of that i wish we could reject all of it but i think right now we have to really focus on rejecting white supremacy because 
you know, I had I had posted on Twitter the other day that Republicans are Nazis. And eventually I took it down. And the reason I took it down was because I didn't want like MAGAs or whatever to continually, uh, you know, report me and then lose my account, uh, which could happen. You know, I mean, you get in trouble for saying white trash bag on Facebook. You get called out for hate speech if you literally say white trash bag because the algorithms are set to, you know, that artificial intelligence picks up on a certain white trash is all they see. And now you're basically being a racist. And so I had said that on Twitter and some people were arguing with me and getting really pissed off and saying that, um, you know, that it was an insult to the Jews who died. And it's like, I don't see it that way. I see it like, let's prevent another fucking Holocaust. I don't think we're going to have a Holocaust. We're not going to have that. It's not going to be an exact repeat of, of, of Nazi Germany, but it's, it's the same, right. But it's the same ideas that got Germany to Nazi Germany. That's happening right now. They didn't start, uh, you know, Hitler didn't immediately begin by sending people to concentration camps. It took some time. And, you know, uh, what we're seeing now with the CPAC stage in the shape of a Nazi symbol, and, 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 and we're seeing that... Oh, right, right there in the open. I, yeah. I, I was like, I can't believe it, but I totally could believe it. Right. But it's like, yeah. and then, and then, and then we, we can't be afraid to call that shit out, you know, and, and say that it's an insult to, to Jews. No, it's not. It's trying to prevent what happened all those, you know, again, I don't, I'm not saying it's going to be focusing specifically on Jews and that there's going to be concentration camps or whatever. No, it's going to be different. And I think a lot more people will be targeted. That gay people will be targeted. Trans people will be targeted. Black people will be targeted. Feminists will be targeted. And it doesn't mean we're going to go to a camp. It just depends on the evil is going to evolve too. You know, they'll come up with new ways to be fucking awful and fascist and terrible and, and, and to kill people. I mean, you know, COVID obviously came about on its own, but Trump didn't mm-hmm. do jack shit. And Trump no, is still he, yeah. getting people killed because he refused the, 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 the fucking vaccines. And so like in Maryland, thank God, my mom finally got her first shot, but it was like the hunger games trying to get yeah, your fucking appointment. Yeah. Same with my parents. They finally got their first shots, but I mean, it, it took, it was, it was ridiculous. And it's they're stressful. In, they're, yeah, it's yeah. super stressful. Yeah. Like I had one of my, I had my vote most viral tweet last week, and it was and I said, I know more about Tiger Woods accident. Oh, right. <laughs> than I do about how to get than I knew about information how to get my parents vaccinated, mm-hmm. and I and that was just the truth because like nothing like I I I didn't wasn't speaking ill of Tiger Woods. I hope, he, right. I hope he's okay. Like he in his accident. I mean, but it was wall to wall coverage. Yeah. I was like. It, um, they were acting like, they were acting like he died. Right. And even if it, he did die, like does it deserve wall to wall coverage? I don't know. I don't know what the priorities of what <laughs> sells mark like sells advertising in the news business. I guess that sells more than making sure people stay alive with vaccines. Right. Yeah. But um, well, the, obviously I, the, the yeah, it was just it's it was it's crazy. And it was it was true. I saw some people even give you shit for that. But it's like, and, but you were absolutely more people right. did, and more people agreed with me yes. than gave me shit. More yeah, people thought I was like speaking ill of Tiger Woods, and I'm like, no, I like. Right. I mean, I don't, I don't. <laughs> his 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 sexual like whatever he's done in his past, that's his business. He's mm-hmm. a great golfer. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope I don't want him. I don't want you know. I don't wish him harm. Like I hope he's okay. Yeah. I'm just saying I'm frustrated because 
I can't, I'm frustrated because I can't find, I couldn't find my parents a vaccine. Right. And yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, that's like when I said Republicans are Nazis, more people agreed with me. But there, of course, there were a few that, that were legitimate, like, liberals. And they were very pissed off at me for saying that. And they were, like, tagging Chuck Schumer and Jamie Raskin. And I was like, dude, why are you telling on me? What are they going to do? Well, they're and, <laughs> and, and the idea is, like, let's, we have to not repeat history. Not repeat the negative history. Learn from it. And look, this is what they're doing. They're doing it in our faces and they're bragging about it. It's like you said, now it's, we have to make people feel shame. And the thing is, is a lot of these people do not even feel shame. So somehow we have to make it uncomfortable for them to be publicly racist. I don't know how to achieve that. Most of the time it's money. You cut them off. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I as far as there's a, the movie The Pianist, yeah, which is pianist. I'm not saying a, an anatomy part. <laughs> the penis <laughs> like, movie? No, I know the penis movie. The um, the, the with pianist Holly um, with Holly Hunter. Uh, the one, um, the, well, the one with what Nazi Germany? Yes, and, and oh, okay, um, that that movie. Yes, okay, I'm thinking was, about and the I think piano. it's like Rome. Uh, I know you're talking like about Rome. the one with what's his name? Is that the was called? Is that um, Adrian? Yes. Adrian something. Is that, is that the movie? Is that so. the pianist? Yeah, because he's a piano player. Yes, I think it is. And, and it's Nazi Germany. And I, I think the director was Roman Polanski, which is awful. He's terrible. Right. But, <laughs> um, but the movie itself was told very well. And it basically shows how gradual like Hitler came in and changed hmm. Germany, how they weren't worried gradual. at first. There you go. It was so gradual. Like yeah. they weren't worried. And then all of a sudden it was this, and then it was this, and yeah. then they were placed and then they were like put in different parts of the city mm-hmm. and they, and they, they were cordoned off and then they were shipped away to concentration camps. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, it was like, so, and it wasn't over the course of like one year or two right. years or five years. It was the course of like, over a decade. Yeah. Over, like it was, it was so gradual that they didn't see it at first until it was too late and they couldn't right. do anything. That's it. And that was my whole point. And it's Adrian Brody. But yeah, Adrian it's, Brody, it's, yeah. Um, that's exactly the point. It's, it's something that happens over time and it's a little bit here and it's a little bit, so it's palatable because I can tell you right now, if you, I mean, I think there would be some Republican voters who would be fine with sending certain people to concentration camps at this point right now. I think there would be, but I think there's also a lot of them w- that would not be, but over time as you, because I do see it as a mass brainwashing kind of effort. So it, they start incrementally becoming comfortable with more and more. And eventually it gets to the point where you're, it's, you know, I mean, I lo- you, you can also look at the police force. You know, I hate this conversation of the police force because there are white supremacists in it. And I, you know, I, be- I'm practical. I'm pragmatic. I want a good, solid police force. I want protection. That's the whole point. They're here to protect and serve. And sometimes we need that protection. And unfortunately, there are a lot of white supremacists who have gotten into the military and to the police force. And even though maybe it's, let's just say it's at this point 10 percent, what is the percentage of the other cops or military personnel that are not necessarily white supremacists, but they just turn their head? They just ignore it because it's easier and, uh, you know, they'd rather not get involved. That's their friend, whatever it is. 
And so it's kind of the same thing. You know, it's just it becomes we we have to face this head on and we have to make these people feel uncomfortable because I don't think we're at a point where we can even shame them anymore. They're not feeling shame. No, they're, they're, it's like, like, yeah, it's like a band of brothers when, yeah. when it's at the end of the, like near the end of the, the series and they're, they come up on the concentration camp and then they go to the neighboring town and they're like, how could you not know that this was going on? Right. Like, how could you just sit here and live life as though nothing is happening? Mm-hmm. Like you're just going on as normal while people are, are getting, are being murdered mm-hmm. by the hundreds and, and thousands a, a day. Mm-hmm. And you're just sitting back and, and they made, and then. The U.S. Army made them come in um, and and dig the graves for those people as they should. Because it was just, mm-hmm. you have the people who, if it's not affecting them, right. then they look the other way. Yeah, it's just easy. If it's not, yeah, it's, it's so easy to look the other way when it doesn't involve you. Mm-hmm. And I think we and, all know what it feels like to look the other way because we've all been confronted with a homeless person that we have for whatever reason, because we didn't have anything to give them or because we felt like I just can't give another homeless person, whatever it is, we know what that feeling is where we've basically ignored a homeless person. And so it, it is easy because it's just, I mean, it's, you can't fix the world. You can't save everybody. But on the other hand, I think there is this problem that it just, you know, in, in, in human in humanity, there is there the there is the ugly side of us that can look away when it doesn't affect us. When it you know we can go have a good night's sleep when someone else sleeps in the cold. And you know at least I will say, the reason I'm a Democrat is because I I do believe that incrementally we can change for the better. And I don't think we're going to have a fast sweeping overnight change. It's never going to happen, especially not in our country, especially right not right now. But over time we can make positive incremental changes that will last, but we just, we have to be really strong. And I think, you know, these next, it's not even two years anymore. It's like a year and a half or whatever, a year in, in however many months we're going to be up against 2022 and we better fucking be prepared. We better, it's going to come before we know it. We need to, (laughs) we need to be strong. We need to be pragmatic. We need to like think realistically about what we need to get done and prioritize. And I would love Medicare for all. That's a, that's probably a different a story for a different day, <laughs> but it's not going to happen all at once. It's not going to happen all at once. It's no. going to happen. You know, we got to build on the Affordable Care Act, like Biden said, like Kamala Harris said. We need to build on the Affordable Care Act, and eventually, incrementally, mm-hmm. we can get there. And it wouldn't even take very long. And the great it thing wouldn't. about it would be it would be volunteer things. So. It wouldn't be like the, the screaming of a mandate where you have to deal with everybody screaming about a fucking mandate. And, you know, it'd be like, okay, I, I went in and I got it and I love it. Oh, really? And you're talking to your friend. Yeah, I don't have to, you know, I pay higher taxes, whatever the deal is. And you explain to your friend why it's beneficial. Then your friend's like, I'm going to check it out. I think that would work for me. And then everybody eventually just goes over to it. And what's nice is... It, it's happening in, during a period of time where, like, can you imagine if the Democrats said, all right, we're just going to do it. We're just going to do Medicare for all right now. So what does that mean? It means no ins- getting rid of all the insurance, co- insurance companies at once. And then what? You've got to have this system in place. Look at, look at the shaky start Obamacare had. Whenever you start yeah. an, a huge new program, there's going to be you know, shit that happens, there's going to be kinks, there's going to be things that need to be worked out, and that's fine. 
people shouldn't panic yeah. during that time and say, oh my God, it doesn't work. It's exactly. like there's going to be fucking kinks. So you have to, it's like th- there would be so many fucking problems if we started like with a whole new system right off the bat. So much easier to slowly go into it, have people volunteer and go, oh, I'm going to do that. And then they like it and word gets out and slowly over time the change is made and it's comfortable and there's not a big you know big deal issue and then the republicans can't point to those kinks and those issues that come up and go see it's a failure it's just a slow yeah. integration our system is so embedded with with, with its for-profit structure right now unfortunately yeah and it is just what it is and people people do who have private insurance they like it yeah or some many do and they're afraid they're afraid mm-hmm. of what what a nationalized system would look like. And I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. I, I have anxiety over that too, but it's like, that's where we have to do things gradually. And mm-hmm. the reason why a lot of these European countries built up their universal systems and the reason Iraq did, they built up after war. They literally came from nothing right. and yeah. were like, here is something. Right. Whereas we would have to burn our system to the ground yes. before we built up from nothing. We have to switch over. Yes. And that's not going to happen overnight. That's why it has to be incremental over, say, over 10 years. And yeah. 10 years happens in the blink of an eye. It totally does. Totally. And that's, and that's, that's, that's where I'm pragmatic about it because I would love to get there, but yeah. we have to do it in a way that makes sense and can actually happen. Mm-hmm. Cause if we're just going to talk about it, that then at the end of the day, that's all it is. It's just talk. Mm-hmm. And well, it's just a line. It's just, and then at that point, it's just a line to get elected yeah. and that's, then you're not actually doing the work. Right. Well, we'll see what happens. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I will continue to have my, you know, concerns and <laughs> every day, every day that I do a podcast, I'll probably talk about them. But it's just, you know, I mean, I, I hope that we can get our shit together and uh, I don't know, we just we just got to be we just have to be strong and keep pushing through because and, and we have to make sure that, you know, I, I, I'm hopeful that the DNC and Stacey Abrams. I mean, I know st- I've heard Stacey's going to run for governor. So. Um, oh, great. I didn't hear that. Yeah, that's I heard great. that she, at least she has interest in it. So that that's a possibility. So even okay. though she won't necessarily be running the DNC or whatever, it doesn't matter. She has provided us with a template to work off of. And, you know, I think that a lot of the grassroots organizers, basically ever since Trump won, have proved that we can get this done. And we've just got to we've just got to stay on it. You know, we've just got to not lose track and not get too comfortable. That's the problem. We can't get too comfortable because as soon as we're comfortable, we lose interest and we don't show up to, you know, to elections. And that's like the key here is showing up to elections. And I think that midterms. Yeah, yeah. I think that Georgia (laughs) totally proved how important elections are. And we're still not all the way there. So we're still fighting with the Republicans. (sighs) But anyway, well, I I know that you have to get back to uh, your vote vet stuff. So I do. Vets. My phone's been blowing up this entire I'm sure. <laughs> They're like, where are you, Sarah? But thank you for being on this show. I really appreciate it. And of course, I will hit you up again. And I, I know you're busy, so I won't hit you up as often. But if you're free to I also contact me. But um, thank you for being on. Before you go, tell everybody where they can find you. They can find me at Sarah Wood Writer on all the things. Um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, yeah. And then you can also follow um, Vote Vets and give them a nice follow because they're doing a lot of great work. Yes, they are. Vote Vets is an awesome organization. 
Uh, so, of course, you can find me on Twitter, author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. You can find all my books. Oh, I just have to say, I got a negative review um, for Peyton's Choice, and it was called, they said that they, they were upset when they read my book because it was abortion propaganda, which I take as a big feather in my cap. But honestly, <laughs> I think it came from some fucking asshole who I blocked who was who was defending Woody Allen. So fuck him. But anyway, oh, um, yeah, no. I'm pretty sure it was him because it was like right after that. Uh, usually when I piss off a troll, they like to go give me a bad review. So if you like my books... You can buy them on Amazon and you can give them good reviews because authors and podcasters, we need good reviews. So FYI. Um, And you can find all my books on Amazon under my name, Kimberly A. Johnson. So, all right, that's it. Thank you again, Sarah. And you have a lovely day. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Be safe.